All right, Bob, let's say you were a YouTube content creator and uh, somebody came to you and said, hey, Bob, I think uh, I think we're getting oppressed here. The man or YouTube in this case, the woman, woman CEO, they are repressing us. They are changing the rules, moving the cheese. We, we are what makes YouTube run the creators. Would you like to join our union? What do you say? Wait. Who's starting the union? Apparently, this is an old new concept. So YouTube, though, recently uh, met with people who are trying to organize a union for creators. But the interesting thing is, is to be a union, you kind of need to work for a company. And technically, the creators don't work directly for YouTube. Well... I think historically unions are not supported by the organizations that they work for. I mean, without work, a union's kind of pointless. But if you're like, let's say, for instance, if you're a carpenter, you can work on any job site. You don't have to work for a specific provider. You're the one that pays your union dues individually. So I guess there could be a creator's union and that union could actually not only be used full useful, used, useful for YouTube content providers, but let's say Twitch, Facebook, anybody where anybody platform where you could provide content, the union could try to, you know, institute benefits, quality of work conditions, pay standards, et cetera, et cetera. But as has been true with our history, every time there's a union there's people that are willing to work outside the union and play by the rules. And there's the problem because what you'll really need is the big boys and girls to be able to say, you know what, YouTube, we're going to strike. We're not going to upload more videos. But when you're making six figures a year, Bob, you gonna, you gonna jump on that bandwagon. Yeah. I don't think your killer content providers, the ones that are actually raking it in, they're probably not going to jump on board. They're going to keep, getting their sweet ass paychecks. That's what I was thinking too. Interesting concept, but I just don't think it's going to go anywhere. Um, but speaking of YouTube, you uh, dropped a Vox article in my Slack box. Can you explain it? Let's not call it Vox. Let's call it Recode. I feel bad that Recode got bought by Vox, but we'll just let that happen. Um, yeah, it was just a Recode article. I mean, we've talked about, and actually funny that you brought up YouTube in the first place and the unionization, but we have had our trials and tribulations with the YouTube platform and things we can and cannot do and censorship because of using copyrighted materials, even though we were using it as derivative works or reference work. Um, but the, the headline of this article is what caught my eye. And uh, basically, YouTube CEO saying it's more important than ever to let people upload anything they want. And I think that this, well, I know that this is in direct response to people talking about censorship on the platform as it relates to free speech uh, or hate speech even, or misinformation a la flat earthers and anti-vaxxers and whatnot. So the article caught my eye. Um, really nothing in here was shocking to me except for it felt like YouTube using the upload anything you want as a cop out to not having to moderate their own platform. I kind of feel like they're talking you. about 
<laughs> I, I think they're talking out both sides of their mouth because remind me again what happened to uh, international space dimensional whatever you call it Alex Jones uh, Alex Jones interdimensional space uh, child molesters uh, yeah he got <laughs> deplatformed by them pretty much completely and that was the one of the linchpins that pretty much got him deplatformed from everything um well and it's also pretty interesting that less than six months ago i believe they were attempting attempting because they've backpedaled from this now but attempting to make content providers responsible for the content of the comments on their video so if someone left comment that was against community guidelines hate speech whatever the case may be the content provider was then going to be held responsible for that and could have penalties levied upon them based on the code of conduct. So they are, they're all over the place, man. Yeah. I'm incredibly all over the place. I'm having trouble trying to reconcile the Alex Jones thing with this new statement because they don't seem to, to reconcile very well. So yeah. Well, and I think that's a problem with a lot of stuff that people are saying today, like as a reaction to the appearance of censored speech or, you know, in the case of student loans or whatever, you know, fill in the blank reparation, you know, they're not talking about going back in time. So it's like, Oh, from this moment forward, you can upload anything you want. Alex Jones. Sorry. You're still out. Yeah. I was going to say, can Alex just re upload everything? (laughs) We're good. Right. (laughs) Now here's a very interesting controversial statement that I'll make. And maybe I'll just drop this grenade and run away. But like, Let's say, well, and actually I did hear on a recent Joe Rogan episode, and I think it was the one with Dan Crenshaw, where YouTube was, or somebody, one of the platforms, might have been Twitter, I don't know, I'm going to have to double check this with the episode, but one of the platforms was deplatforming people from dead naming others in their content. Are you familiar with the concept of dead naming? No, hit me. So Bruce Jenner, who is no longer Bruce Jenner. It's Caitlyn Jenner. If you refer to Caitlyn as Bruce, that is dead naming her. And that is like a huge no-no in the, I guess, I don't know, in the, where you're, you're re- redefining yourself or. or Identity uh, politics, right? Yes. Yeah, so if you're identifying as a different gender, if you adopt a new name, then your dead name is basically taboo. So in theory, stay with me. In theory, Alex Jones could identify as Alexandra Jones and get back on the platform because Alexandra is not responsible for anything that Alex did in theory. Yeah. Correct. Apologies. I'm a little sick. So if you hear me cough and sneeze and all that, you've been warned. Um, but don't, don't you have a dump button? Come on. (laughs) No. Uh, when we get funded, um, maybe, maybe I can get one of those. Um, but no, uh, YouTube and, Social media people, I think they're just squirming. I really don't think they are any better than the Bob and Kevin show at solving real problems in tech. <laughs> I just think they're better at True making that. money than we are. Um, so uh, in completely different news or topics, Bob, you're settled in Boulder. How is it? Funny you should ask. Um, we are trying to learn slash discover uh, Boulder's not cheap. For those of you out there listening, Boulder is, um, it's an interesting, I don't know, demographic, I guess is the way to describe it. You have, I've never seen as many Teslas 
as I've seen in the couple months that we've been out here. But I've also never seen such a large concentration of people without homes. I guess you call them homeless really? people. But, uh, so Boulder's yeah. got a pretty high homeless population, but also has an extremely high um, baller population. Uh, I think that I saw the median home price here is over a million dollars. And I believe it's called or referred to as the Boulder bubble because it's quite a different lifestyle in Boulder than it is anywhere else, right? Caroline and I were talking about the bubble just the other night, um, and we're kind of very happy in this bubble. But um, one of the cool things that comes with a community that's got this huge disparity in incomes is that a lot of the restaurants and bars have this thing called happy hour. (laughs) And that's where people that fall into the middle class, much like myself, Um, can actually live a little bit of that baller lifestyle because you can get, you know, appetizers on the cheap and uh, discounted beverages, beers. And so we've really been trying to explore where happy hours are and all that good stuff. But beyond that, just the outdoor activity aspect of this place, it's, it's gotta be right up there globally. It's just so fun. So so what you're saying is the party leadership lets the proles in every now and then to have a drink or two. It's a, 1984 one for you the super the super high-end places don't really go the the happy hour route but uh the the mid upscale and mid scale and you know downscale for sure have uh there's bargains to be found you just have to be on the lookout like the reason why i was late tonight for recording we discovered a recycled outdoor equipment place which was giant and we were in search of a backpack and possibly a new bike helmet, but I didn't think helmets were going to be like on the table for a recycled place. But we found a backpack and a helmet and we spent $32. And it was a nice backpack and a, and a very nice helmet. So yeah, there's there's bargains to be found for sure. So, so can I switch topics uh, really quick before we go to something else? Yeah, go for it. Yes. Have you heard of the apple titanium card (laughs) kevin yes i have well they recently uh i think released that into the wild very like not too long ago and my 22 year old texted me and said dad i i got i was able to qualify for the apple titanium card and apparently the only interest rate that they offer is like 22.3% or whatever. Like, I don't know if there's any lower. Um, so, cause on a whim, I decided to apply for it too. Cause you can do it right through the interface on your Apple phone and it takes like three minutes. Um, and I got the same rate that he did. I got a much higher, um, much higher limit than he got, but my, my rate was exactly the same. So that was pretty weird, but it is a badass card. You because can't clean it actually, or anything, right? Titanium. It, it's, it's, yeah, it is. It's actually, look how clean it is on the front. It's just your name. There's no number. There's no real strip on the back. And it is, I don't know if you can hear that, but it is, it is metal titanium. So I thought that was just kind of fun. I'll probably never use the damn thing or maybe like buy a hamburger and pay it off just to keep, you know, keep it in the credit history, but. It was just kind of a fun little whimsical. <laughs> yeah, I read something about how you're not supposed to cl- use cleaners on it. There's like this very strict protocol of what you're supposed to do and not do to keep it in 
good shape. Oh yeah, it's worth a Google for sure. Oh, I should probably look that up because I'm not the best at maintaining things. The really cool thing was is that um, when you get it in the mail, it knows when it's arriving. So like, you know, when you applied for it, it automatically puts a placeholder in your Apple wallet. And then I got a text this morning from the carrier saying, your Apple card is about to arrive. Please make sure that, you know, the packaging is close to it when you take it out or whatever. I don't know. So I get it. I open it up and the text you are listening to The Bob and Kevin Show with Bob Beattybar and Kevin Gishesky. Each week we cover relevant tech and social issues related to technology. Our website is bobandkevin.show. And our episodes can be found virtually on any podcast network. Be sure to follow us on Twitter, Instagram, and Facebook. Just search for Bob and Kevin Show. Hey, Bob, what are we doing today? Well, Kevin, I think today we're going to talk about whether we are living in the Matrix or not. And this is kind of in celebration of the uh, forthcoming Matrix 4, I believe it is. And uh, so we're going to talk about theories, uh, probably just make some shit up along the way and reference some articles. But um, yeah, we're talking about are we living in a simulation? Or not. I'm Bob from the Bob and Kevin Show, and that other guy is. I'm Kevin from the Bob and Kevin Show. Next pause. Get us started <laughs> here, man, because uh, I was watching some of the videos you were sharing today, and I was kind of tripping out a little bit. I thought maybe we should wait to do this until you come out to Colorado, but uh, here we are. <laughs> <laughs> we can we can do possibly a uh, follow up one. Uh, do you know who who a person named Nick Bostrom is? That name is not ringing a bell, but I'm sure it was referenced in some of the material I looked at today. Well, let, let's see what uh, Showbot can find out for us. Nick Bostrom is a Swedish philosopher at the University of Oxford known for his work on existential risk, the anthropic principle, human enhancement ethics, superintelligence risks, and the reversal test. In 2011, he founded the Oxford Martin Program on the Impacts of Future Technology, and is the founding director of the Future of Humanity Institute at Oxford University. All right, so Nick's a smart guy. That's all pretty trippy and, shit right there. And if you were to visit simulation-argument.com, it's essentially a website dedicated to one of his papers. And in, I believe it's 2003, he wrote a... Uh, something for the philosophical quarterly and it has to do with basically are we living in a simulation and so bob i'm not going to ask you yet whether or not you believe we're in a simulation i'm going to wait a little longer because <laughs> i want to i want to talk through some things here and um i did send you some things and um i started with some websites and basically uh, one of them was like 15 things that irrefutably prove we are in the matrix. And then I sent you some videos and stuff like that. So uh, you did get a, a chance to watch some of the videos. Oh, yeah. I watched them today. That's when I said maybe we should wait to do this until we're both in Colorado. <laughs> <laughs> so, oh, yeah. So breaking. Edibles would make this so much better. <laughs> a little bit of a spoiler alert. Uh, I'm coming out to uh, Colorado in, in a couple months or a month and a half ish 
And uh, we're going to do our first ever Bob and Kevin show when we're co-located in the same freaking room. It's going to be awesome. And I hope to God you you brought the stickers with you because I still don't have a Bob and Kevin show sticker. Yes, you will be I leaving with stickers in your hand, in your bag. Uh, so, um, I I was talking to Jackson, my ten year old. He said, "Hey, Dad, what are you what are you guys talking about tonight in the podcast?" I said, "Well, oh God, love about- that kid." <laughs> I said, uh, well, believe it or not, we're talking about whether or not we are living in a simulation right now. And since he plays Fortnite all the time, I said, you know, let's let's take the video game example. And programmers, the creators, created that game, and there's characters. And over time, that game's gotten better and better and better. It, uh, they've evolved, if you will. There's rules of the game. They can't walk through walls. They can shoot. They can do all kinds of things. They don't need to eat in their universe. So the idea is, is what if, Bob, you and I are in a simulation with possibly no one else or possibly everyone else, and we just don't know the difference because the reason I can't put my hand through the desk or the wall is because the simulation's been programmed to disallow that. So let's start there. <laughs> um, are you are you tracking with me so far? On like, oh yeah, I've, I've contemplated this my entire life. Oh wow, okay. So this gives rise to a lot of things, and a lot of things kind of neatly tie themselves up that are otherwise kind of like, yeah, I don't know. Like, so number one in the very juicy subject is religion, right? So religion has a creator, and in the simulation model, the creator would also exist, right? They, they, or it, whatever, has possibly created the simulation, and we're all just players on the stage. Does that, does that track well with you? That seems to be what the definition of a simulation is, sure. Uh, all right. So imagine death. So religion deals with death and birth. So birth, you know, seems like in simulation video games, we can spawn a new character just as easy as a few mouse clicks and dying. You just cease to be part of that simulation. But that kind of brings me back to what is a soul, Bob? Can you? Uh, wow. We're going like way into we're skipping like the aspects of simulation and going right to soul. <laughs> no. I, OK. All right. Let's put a pin in that one. All right. So. All right. So that's that's kind of the religious angle. Then I have like science. So think of the Big Bang, which is um, strangely, actually, it was proposed uh, initially by a priest, which always gets me because we're like creation versus evolution and Big Bang and all this. Actually, the Big Bang theory was first proposed by a priest, George Lemaitre. Um, from France. Um, so anyway, yeah, we've got the Big Bang. for this episode. <laughs> oh, I'm just a super nerd. Um, actually, I, that's just like stuff I just know. So the Big Bang, think of that as, as well, he turned on the simulation for the first time. That could have been the Big Bang. The laws of physics, well, that's just rules that uh, we, we can't not abide by because the universe, the simulation, if you will, we're in, requires it. Gravity. We still don't understand gravity as human beings, but in the simulation, it could just simply be a list of variables and a, yet another rule that we all have to live by. Um, we've got uh, aliens, extra dimensions. We've got the macro, how big the universe is, the micro, how small the universe can be. 
uh, evolution. You know, think about evolution for a second. If we were in a simulation, yeah, we kind of look like, you know, primates, right? Some certain monkeys, you know, humans, clearly there's a thing there. But what if we're like just different, like somebody went in and like changed the slider on the monkey and like, oh, let's, let's take away the hair, slide that to the left. Oh, let's well, make them more intelligent, slide it to the right. Even if like, let's say that the simulation probably isn't managed and maintained by one entity. Like it's a group. Like think about the Sims or think about Second Life or, you know, any of the massive online multiplayer universes. You can, as an individual player, you know, and this kind of gets more into the matrix aspect of it too. As an individual player, you could level up and you could decrease your hair or increase your hair or change your, you know, sliders for intelligence or strength or you know any of those attributes that are into the simulation so maybe there's other players that that's how evolution is is kind of like explainable away that they've just leveled up they've earned enough coin to walk upright or you know to change their character or we have a random creature generator script and it just said populate with random attributes earth go what's that um it's not Skyrim. There was another like almost an infinite universe simulation where you could fly around and go to planets and land on the planets. That one's not that old. What game was that? There's a lot of games like World of Warcraft, especially dungeon um, generators and and whatnot. We're gonna we're gonna cover video games a bit more here. Um, oh, sorry, I didn't mean to jump ahead in the script. Nope, nope, nope. That's fine. So I'm gonna I'm gonna go through some of these things in the list here because what's really strange about are we in a simulation argument is it's really hard to disprove it. It's also very hard to prove that, um, you know, the opposite of that. So are you looking um, at the vulture article right now? Cause I can do that one. Yeah. Which yeah. one were you starting with? Well, someone, are you familiar with the Mandela effect? Well, right. Okay. So you are looking at the vulture one. So that's the funny thing because one of the concepts about the simulation is the simulation isn't the same for every individual because all things aren't rendered at all the same time. Exactly. I've never heard of the Mandela effect and I didn't know that Mandela's death was televised in the 1980s. Well, I didn't (laughs) see that part of the, I didn't see that part of the, the matrix apparently. So that's interesting, the video game thing. Um, and it was part of the videos I sent you today, right? That, you know, I've made a video game engine and you only render what you need to render. You don't render the entire universe all at once. You only render what you need to observe. Right. And that's very interesting because that's kind of how quantum measurement works, that you don't know the position or velocity of an electron until you measure it. And then even so, you can only know one or the other. You can't know both at the same time. So, yeah, um, same with the uh, atoms and whatnot. You know, there's no reason to render every atom and everything we touch unless you are zoomed into it. So the video was really mind-blowing. I hope we have a link to some of these things here. Yeah, I'll, but, put um, them, I'll, I'll do better and put them in the show notes this time because they are very mind-blowing. So the one that kind of made me go, oh, my God, was the Shazam by Sinbad. Yeah, I'm reading this and I'm like, wait, what the fuck? So... You got the Mandela effect that you mentioned. And basically it says some people claim to remember TV coverage of Nelson Mandela's death in the 1980s, even though he actually died in 2013. That one is blowing my mind a little bit too. 
But additional examples of the phenomenon include remembering the name of the Berenstein. Is it Berenstein or Bernstein? <laughs> uh, I've always pronounced the Berenstein. Yeah, and I think at our house we have two. And others recalling a non-existent movie from the 1990s called Shazam starring comedian Sinbad. Is this a joke? Because that movie does exist, does it not? Okay, thank you, Bob Beatty Bar, because I was reading this going, you people are crazy. I'm like, oh my God, that was a movie. So now I'm crazy because I swear to God Ooh, wait. that that it was, was a 2019. movie. Really? 2019? Well, there's a whole Reddit post on this. Was there a movie? And people were like, yes, there were. And so. But I remember a movie where Sinbad played a genie. Right. And people were saying, oh, you mean uh, Shaq Fu or, you know, all these different things. And I'm like, no. And then somebody produced a, a VHS, you know, image. But, you know, we're in the era of Photoshop. So who knows? But now I'm like starting to wonder, hmm. You know, and think about this. If our creator, if we're in a simulation, changed history, would we even know? Right? I mean, we would just, every, everybody's memory would just be like, oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. Now, now so-and-so is president. Not, you know, Bill, Hillary Clinton got elected. What are you talking about? Donald Trump lost. Snope says it's false. The 1990s movie Shazam starred comedian <laughs> Sinbad as a genie. False. In your universe. <laughs> I swear to God. Wait, what? Yeah, I know, right? Um, so one interesting thing also, I'm going to the next one here. Um, why why is our universe so um like expanding? Like uh there's maybe like with they've only got so many resources. So the reason there's no aliens, I guess is the argument is because, well, whatever simulation we're in has limited resources in terms of computing power and they can't render everything all at once. What do you think? Or the simulation has a rule that there's no aliens. That too. Absolutely. And if there were aliens, maybe they just can come in and out of our simulation as needed as an observer. You know, kind of, you know, if you read some of these UFO stories, they pop in and out of existence. Right. And that's how, like, I've always referenced Glitch in the Matrix. I mean, obviously, Matrix came out. But, like, as even a small kid, I remember noticing things that, like, just didn't fit. Like, seeing two of the same exact car on the street, like, one behind each other. Of course, not <laughs> being able to check the license plate or anything like that, but thinking that looked odd. Or I've always thought, since I was a very small child, that there was a very limited number of physical appearances of people on our planet. Have you ever noticed that, like, there are like so many people that you like, you'll see somebody, and then you'll, it, you know, it's not the same person because it's halfway across the world or in another state. Like, there's no context to tie them together, but they look eerily similar. Well, okay, I thought about this today, and it kind of gave me pause. What if? We are in a simulation, but I'm in a simulation by myself. And Bob, you're actually not real. And I am literally talking to a non-playing character and vice versa. Right. You could, you could be talking, you could be in a simulation of one and everything around you is completely and utterly fake. Well, or we're both just part of the simulation and we're not even actually active participants like we're, we're like yeah we're, we're like really far down yeah 
Okay. I, I don't All see right. myself running into walls for a repeated length of time, like maybe in The Sims, like an automated character. <laughs> but um, I'm, I'm skipping through this list here. Um, uh, the Goldilocks zone, you know, why, why is it the Earth just happens to be one of the few planets known in the universe that happens to be in the right place for certain things to take place. But of course, if you're in a simulation, you can make water melt at a hundred degrees, you know, uh, freeze at a hundred degrees if you wanted to. So, you know, it just all seems very, well, not completing my thought there, but the simulation argument almost makes it sound like if you replace the word simulation with the creation uh, argument, right? like, wow. It's almost parallel for religion, right? Like, why, why is, why, why, why does it feel like this is so intentional? Well, there's that, but then you can tie it to like science is kind of the opposite of that and go, and basically the science is looking at, well, let's study the rules, you know, and let's change our stance. Cause religion is really the, like the, the, how much can we stay the same And science is, well, how much can we adapt to change? Really? Those are the two competing things, but I almost think the simulation argument can almost reconcile both of them together. Well, of course, because the creator, whether what we've fabricated the creator to be in the simulation, it could be anything. It could be just the the guy who's running the computers in the lab, or it could be an almighty being, or it could be a collection of almighty beings. It, I mean, it almost answers every religious argument. <laughs> uh, I'm going to switch over to the other article here. Um, and... Uh, what number 12 we can't observe anything too closely here um so think of it you can't zoom in any closer than a certain thing it's almost like we hit a resolution limit you know and i i I think that's actually what is happening but you can only see so far before things are infinitesimally small and unable to comprehend and really it's almost like the pixel they talk about the plank length which is 10 to the negative 20th the diameter of a proton that's small and that's basically the smallest thing that can exist without um having quantum getting into the quantum level so it's very interesting but it's almost like as we go smaller and smaller and smaller we start getting into the fabric of the simulation itself the monitor if you will the memory the the hardware itself right and i think that that's I mean, like if we are saying that we're living in a simulation, then you would want to present that as some kind of like a, is it, what are those drawings where you zoom in and it repeats and you zoom in and it repeats and you know, uh, a fractal a fractal. Yeah. So like you either run out of that resolution that you talked about, or if I was designing the simulation, I would just have it repeat. <laughs> to like and it wouldn't be convenient to have. Wouldn't it be convenient to have galaxies, but put them so far away that you don't have to really actually render them and humans can't actually make it there. So really it's just more of an image. And now I'm starting to sound like one of those flat earthers, which is really creepy. (laughs) Oh my God. Yes. That's so weird. This, yeah, this is a total head fuck right here. Um, All right. Another one that I was looking at though, it was back to... Um, we've talked about artificial intelligence a million times on this show. And, you know, maybe the people, the scientists that are trying to like math this out 
or like almost they're trying to reveal the the code of the simulation maybe that's the part of the simulation where the artificial intelligence is getting getting beyond the cap the the confines of the simulation i don't know it's so bizarre so so if 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 we created ai and suddenly the ai became uncontrollable a la skynet it's possible that we are skynet we are in a simulation and we're actually trying to break out of it like Neo is what you're telling me. Yeah. I mean, I Through think that that's, I think that that's definitely, I mean, the beings that are in the simulation, if that's what we're in, we're going to become self-aware and we're going to try to figure out what's, what's really there. And of course that goes back to religion too. It's like, got to explain who's running the simulation somehow. <laughs> so I watched Dr. Who or used to a lot and one thing they have, they have like these aliens and then they can, I think it's these aliens where, um, they can make you forget something happened. So imagine you and I have had this conversation before and we keep coming back to the same conclusion, but for the first time each time in our minds, but maybe this is the hundredth time that we've had this idea to have this podcast. What do you think? Right. Oh, and I think, yeah, you could whoever's controlling the simulation could rewind it and see if it goes the same way the next time. I think uh, so, mov- movie writers and authors have been doing this for centuries, <laughs> telling yeah. this story. So think of the Bermuda Triangle next and all these kind of unsolved mysteries and whatnot. It's very possible, like Amelia Earhart and or the Malaysian Air MH370 or whatever got plucked out of the air out of the simulation just got deleted oh yep oh sorry yep undone yeah it was bad code (laughs) bad code there's a glitch um you play video games a lot sometimes you fall through a wall that you weren't supposed to because the wall was coded incorrectly and then you can find yourself outside the level it happens in Fortnite. it happens a lot in first person shooters and they, they patch it but what they would have to do is they'd have to patch it and then kind of like clean up and if you've ever fucked up a database bad enough with a monorose it's hard to clean up the database if you've got a glitch for a very long time right sometimes you're just like ah it ain't worth it what if 20 years from now and i'm doing air quotes because who knows what time is at this point but what if 20 years from now um that we stop talking about amelia Earhart because like most people don't remember that part of that simulation (laughs) yep that's just so and weird. if we go back to the movie Avatar, maybe, and I'm going to tie this back to the soul, maybe our soul is the actual beings outside of the simulation that are plugged in and we're just, we're the avatars. Very much like the Matrix, the Matrix where, exactly. And that could be what our soul is. And then when we die, it might get recycled. You know, basically, hey, uh, I need you to re- reset so-and-so's soul and get them back out there into the matrix for whatever reason. Right. And then what if there's residual memories from that avatar because they're so deeply connected to the the control source, the soul, if that... That's so weird. I got a good one for you. Deja so, vu. Yeah. Do you, do you have you Ooh. experienced deja vu? I have. 
do you ever get that feeling like you know what's going to come next, but you can't articulate it, but you just know you've been in that situation before? I have. How is that explained? <laughs> uh, glitch in the matrix, clearly. <laughs> so um, there's a couple of big names that kind of buy into this. And the, one of the biggest ones is Elon Musk. And the next one is Neil deGrasse Tyson. Now, I'm not saying they're full in. We're definitely in a simulation, but they're definitely. Oh, yeah, it's very possible. We're, we There's a good chance that we're in a simulation. So now that we've kind of laid the groundwork of of some of this on a scale of zero to 100, I'm actually going to give you what Nick Bostrom's percent was because he's got an FAQ on his uh, page. He's only at about a 20% that we're in a simulation. And I can tell you for sure that I am not at a zero percent that we're in a simulation. I am greater oh, than zero. I'm nowhere near zero for sure. I'm, up, but I'm nowhere near a hundred percent. I'm trying to figure out where I would fall. the The real crux of this is, is Bob, can we prove or disprove whether or not we're in a simulation at all? Is there any test? Oh, none that I know of, but you do more research for the show than I do. Is there a test? <laughs> well, the test was as I Googled it and uh, I found uh, somebody who had a contrarian opinion to this because this is a very old kind of a thought experiment. And the idea is in order to simulate something on the scale that we think exists, 7 billion humans, a uh eight planets, a bunch of rocks, and then potentially other planets and galaxies out in the cosmos, that would be a lot of memory, a lot of RAM. And the article basically said, well, we, we, we don't have that kind of computing power, so therefore it's impossible. However, that however, come the simulation that we don't know that. Well, I think the, the, there's a failed assumption in that. The assumption is, is you're using 2019 technology as your basis of argument. And we've talked about this with the aliens episode as well. Exactly. Because the, there's other thoughts out there that it's not aliens who are the creators of the simulation. It could be a future iteration of humanity running simulations as the maybe ultimate entertainment, something as a, this, we're are the history book, Bob, the simulation we're in right now might be humanity's history from 500 years into the past from whoever actually created the simulation. Right. Their that, current, our current time is their current time, except it's a millennia in the future. And this is a, this is an interactive history for them. Yeah. So yeah, there's nothing. I mean, you and I are, are humanity. We're used to two dimensional entertainment on a boob tube for the most part. And if you want three dimensional entertainment, you go out to the club or you go get a drink somewhere, you go to the game, you, you socialize, right? So who's to say that in the future, our virtual reality doesn't get so good that it becomes indistinguishable from reality, right? Well, and that's one of the arguments that we could be in a simulation because our simulations in the past 20 years have gotten so much more advanced. So what's to say that it's not possible a hundred years from now or a hundred years into our future, but might be current time for the people running this one. A, a common philosophical, uh, 
philosophical. <laughs> I can't talk. I got a runny nose. Sorry. Uh, a philosophical debate is usually, is there free will or is everything determined by predetermined as fate? What Bob, do you have an opinion first off on that debate? Well, no, I mean, I'm sure at different times in my life I had different opinions on it, but as of right this second, completely up in the air. I mean, I'd like to think that I have free will, but there's a big part of me that knows that that's probably a mirage. Yeah, I, I'm more of the, I believe in chaos theory and butterfly effect where uh, you might think you're in control, but I don't think you are. You're just you're just riding the surfboard of 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 your eighty some years in this universe, and uh, what will be will be, and you're exactly where you're supposed to be right now. One of the reasons why I think that I know that I don't have free will is because I can't just opt to do something evil. Like it's almost not in my programming. Like I could say that I could opt to do it, but I couldn't pull the trigger. Yeah, I, I see that. So, There's... I mean, is that is that an example of not having free will, or is that more an example that we live by the rule set that is somehow was built into our programming? Well, I I think if you look at it from a human perspective, you're you're weighing your consequences against your rewards. And, and, and so... It could also, a simulation argument could also be, well, Bob, you're coded to do exactly all the flaws you have, Bob, we've given them to you. All the talents you have, we've given them to you. That's just the way it is. Right. And I saw in one of these articles that multiple personality disorder was also one of those signs that it could be a simulation, which I thought was interesting. Glitchy code or something. Yeah, I'm trying to, of course, I'm looking through all these different articles and I got to find the, okay, the phenomenon of multiple personalities. Uh, psychological condition we call multiple personalities, officially named disassociative identity order. Psychologists don't know for sure what causes this condition. Some think it's a side effect of traumatic experience, but one possible explanation for DID comes from the matrix. Remember how Agent Smith can take over other people's bodies? It's possible that the people oh, who suffer yeah. from DID are having their bodies kidnapped by other game operators. So interesting. So. The admin <laughs> takes right. control of your avatar. Got the god login, the admin override. So Elon Musk, I think he said something to the effect of, if, if we assume any sort of advancement in technology, it is a near certainty that we are probably going to be in a simulation one day but can you guess what other entity big corporate brand name released a paper saying that we have a 50 percent chance of being in a simulation a large corporate entity a large american corporation released the paper saying we think we have a 50% chance that we're in a simulation. Uh, usually, 2016. I usually have a guess on these things. Ugh. I'm going to go Microsoft. The, and this one shocked me. Bank of America. Oh. Why the hell would they weigh in on that, right? Yeah, I was like, why the fuck do they care? So, uh, fact checkers, you can Google that one if you're curious. But uh, that was an interesting one. Um, so... My my percentage is greater than zero, less than a hundred percent, 
if I go 50%, I th- feel like I'm copping out there. Oh, we could be, we could not be. Honestly, I, th- I think I'm north I, I, of 50, to be honest. I think I'm I, north of 50. <laughs> I am too, only because I read a lot of science books. We don't know a lot about this universe. We We understand very little. And you got to ask the existential questions. Why are, why is there existence? Why is there anything? What, why even have humans, life, souls, a, why even have a universe? It makes no sense. Right. Oh, my brain is so hurting right now. <laughs> <laughs> so the only thing I can think of, and for years I was like, yeah, it makes no sense to have anything, but it does make sense is if something actually created us, which again has religious undertones. However, it could be for non-religious reasons, such as a simulation. And we could be one of our, our explanation for what we think has happened. Yeah. So, uh, there's something called Plato's allegory of the caves or something like that. Have you ever heard of that? I have not. (laughs) So it's a thought experiment. So basically think of you're a prisoner. You were born in a cave and you're in shackles and all you know that there's something behind you that casts light and you can see shadows in front of you. You can't turn your head behind you to see what it is. And through your eyes, all you can see is shadows. So the creators of the fire or the, or the area, the, the actors, if you will, behind you are holding up a book and it casts a shadow on the wall and then you can see it. However, you have no concept of what a book is. And then your reality is, is everything happens in shadows. And if somebody were to show you a book, you would have no concept of what a book was because everything you relate to is a shadow. So coming back to your uh, point about religion is maybe religion is just our way of interpreting the shadows because we have no other fucking explanation for why some of these things occur right oh 110 percent so um i'm definitely north of 50 percent, and i sound crazy i i feel like man people are gonna think i'm crazy they're gonna be like he's one of those flat earther loons but i, I really think this makes a lot of sense and I, I haven't seen any science arguments against it and i've seen a lot of science people who said yeah yeah that's that's very possible that could work yeah that yeah. could be possible yeah <laughs> Which is shocking because most time people are like, no, and here's why, and that's ridiculous. But no, that's pretty much not happening, and that's kind of scary. Let me let me hurl this one out there and see what your thoughts are on this. Uh, Amazon rainforest is currently burning at an obscene rate. It is common belief yep. through science that the Amazon rainforest is responsible for, I think I read... 20% of our planet's oxygen, not to mention... I must have read the same article. <laughs> not to mention, like, a myriad of organisms, uh, animal life, plant life, you know, bacteria, fill in the blank. Is it possible? Of course, it's probably possible, but what are your thoughts on that, like, a catastrophic event in general, but this one in particular that I'm referencing, also being part of the simulation to see how we adapt like did you ever play that um the uh nuclear power plant simulation when you were in like probably junior high or elementary school nope 
Can't say I have. So there's and and there's all kinds of simulations out there like that. But what they used this um, nuclear power pants simulation, they collected the data from all the different students that were utilizing it, and they were using that data to learn about how our generation was reacting to nuclear power maintenance, creative solutions for problems. What if like the Amazon rainforest burning down or hurricanes battering the you know the east coast or everywhere really and the massive ice melt off what if this is all a test to see how we we fix it what if the people running the simulation are facing problems like this and they want to know creative solutions yeah i think that's not crazy in fact humans in general they like to run experiments given x how to what's the reaction you know given and so climate change was on one of those articles i think similar thing you know hey let's let's have a catastrophe and see what happens and we could be in the simulation that is well your universe you have melting polar ice caps you got a weirdo for a president in the free you know in one country i won't say which one um (laughs) you've got (laughs) (laughs) yep you've got the burning amazon and you know maybe we should be happy we didn't get the uh the, the meteor of death you know coming to us or maybe that's next week who knows so 100 percent agree let's see how uh humanity you know because we run these hurricane simulations we got one coming up to florida and we have the spaghetti models well it could go here well it could go there well it could go there maybe we're one of the spaghetti models you know we're going oh shit look at this one you know there's some there's some alien or futuristic human pointing at our our screen going hey look at this simulation over here look who's president oh my god you got to see this you know they're they're tweeting it on their social media it kind of explains why it keeps happening over and over and over again, you know, because maybe the people, the entities viewing the simulation are looking for different results. So have you ever played civilization? Have not. So it, it's a, you know, create a city and then create another city and then research things. Well, you can be different world leaders and one of the world leaders is Gandhi. He, in real life, he was a very peaceful person. But in the video game, he can be one of the most ruthless people ever. And the reason is, is um, as he got nicer and nicer, they had a, uh, an overflow problem where it went from, oh, your aggressiveness is two. Now it's one. Now it's zero. Now it's negative. You know, now, now it's 255 because it looped back around on the bite. You know, now he's the most aggressive. So, so there's a bug in the game and they've, they've, it's been tongue in cheek. They've kept the bug in the game like over and over and over. And so whenever I see humanity, I always think, oh yeah, Hey humans. Yeah. Let's make them really super aggressive. And so, yeah, I, I can see how this whole war thing is going to just keep repeating over and over and over. Have you ever heard of Occam's Razor? I have, but I can't tell you what it is. Occam's Razor is a principle from philosophy. Suppose there exist two explanations for an occurrence. In this case, the one that requires the least speculation is usually correct. Another way of saying it is that the more assumptions you have to make, the more unlikely an explanation. 
Akam's razor applies especially in the philosophy of science, but also more generally. So, Bob, hmm. can we apply Occam's razor to see whether or not it's less, it takes less to explain the simulation or takes more to explain not a simulation? I don't know. I figure, I feel like that's got to be a dead heat. Honestly, I don't think it's a, I think it's a no contest. Well, oh, well, foo. Um, All right. So, so drop on me some, a list of things that say, no, 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 here's why we're not in a simulation. Right. I guess I was thinking the opposite. So like you could say, all right, so here's an excuse. What did, what did they say? What the Occam's razor was? excuses or no so suppose there there exists two explanations for an occurrence um the one that requires the least speculation is usually correct the least speculation <sighs> if, yeah the one that re- requires less explanation so basically it's the kiss principle i think if i could distill it down okay. the more simpler the explanation uh well shoot i don't know you yeah, could just say well li- not living in a simulation is an awfully hard thing to explain too like you know how do we have you know how do we have night and day okay the earth spins why does it spin i mean i, I think it's i think if we apply occam's razor the outcome is is it's easier to explain that we are in a simulation than it is to explain that we're not in a simulation. I think you have to invent more things that don't exist and be more speculative. Like, you know, step number one. Okay, where what is the existence? Why do we have existence? Well, if you go to the simulation argument, well, we're in a simulation. Somebody created us. All right. What's the non-simulation argument? Uh, I don't know why we exist. There was a a giant bang and mass exploded out and primordial. Yeah, I guess you're right. There's a lot of explaining because if you just go the God route, that's the same explanation as the simulation route, right? Yes. Yeah. And so I don't want to go that far either. I don't want to just because Neil deGrasse Tyson uh, usually says, if you can't explain it, people a lot of times say, well, it's God. So they call it the God of the gaps. So if we can't explain it, just say it was God. Right. Right. So you could also just say it's the simulation at the same time. That's true. So it's an easy, just as easy, I guess, to cop out. But if you ask most young people, and I know I went through this too. Okay, cool. The Big Bang. That sounds awesome. What's the first question a kid will ask, Bob? Do you know? Who made the Big Bang? Yep. Who made the Big Bang and what happened before the Big Bang? It's like, whoa, whoa, whoa. Don't you want to know about the Big Bang? Nope. I want to know what happened before it. <laughs> What's infinity like, plus one? <laughs> exactly. <laughs> what did, or, you know, if, if you rewind the time clock to zero, or can you? And if you can go back to zero, can you go back to minus one, etc.? Side note, did you know that you can basically get infinitely hot uh, stuff as far as I know so like a star can be infinitely hot but you cannot be infinitely cold you can only be zero and and that has a special name it's called absolute zero right. it's about four minus 400 degrees celsius and it's basically the temperature of space with, away from a star so anyway fun fact right but if it could be infinitely up it can be infinitely down 
I don't believe so because the definition of absolute zero is, I believe, atomic activity stops. Like the electrons no longer orbit. Right. So they based on our freeze. understanding, that's zero. Yeah, that's true. It's well, all within a frame of reference. Right. And I probably got could the science be, all wrong, but whatever. Could be, the, uh, <laughs> could be just the limit of the simulation. Exactly. Like when they put the simulation together, they were like, no, there's no fucking way they're going to try to make things minus 4,000 degrees cold. So, Bob, what is the <laughs> cosmic speed limit? What's the fastest thing in the known universe? Speed of light, right? That's correct. Which makes you think that maybe we're on an old 486 <laughs> processor, you know, in the simulation. And that thing happens to go 186,000, uh, you know, kilometers per second squared or whatever it is. And that's just the CPU speed. What do you think? I don't know. If something can be infinitely hot, why can't it be infinitely fast? That is weird, right? And it's a very finite number. We know the who, number. Who said that something could be infinitely hot? Who dropped that one? Oh, I think I did. <laughs> I think I might have invented oh, that science. Oh, so that's not a quote of a, a scientific fact. No, 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 no. Uh, now I got to Google it. Yeah, see this. Whoa, this one opens up such a can of giant stinky worms. Uh, is there a limit to something how hot something can be? Wikipedia says at above a big number of Kelvin, all theories break down. So that is the theoretical limit. In actuality, 7.2 trillion degrees Fahrenheit is the highest known temperature. And that, that is in the Large Hadron Collider when they smash gold together. Well, there you go. Yeah, I'm seeing, I'm seeing a term identified as absolute hot which goes with absolute cold. So why are there limits? I don't know. Maybe we'll melt the mainframe that we're in the simulation. Yeah. Absolute hot is the end opposite end of the spectrum from absolute zero. So I don't know. Dang. This seems like a lot Got of bullshit to me. Why do we have rules at all? I think that was on one of the articles, you right. know, why don't, why, why is it, you know, and I, I, but I, I still feel like we're comes an experiment. Up, humanity comes up with rules, which of course could just be part of the simulation. Humanity comes up with the rules because we have to define boundaries. Like without the definition of boundaries, sometimes I, I think, well, not sometimes. I think the belief is without those boundaries, people would shut down. Like, I don't but know. take it to the next level. Why do we need boundaries? <sighs> yeah. You know, you could just keep stepping that out too. All right. Um, I have exhausted all my show notes here, Bob. What other areas have we not covered? I exhausted my show notes about three seconds in. Um, we didn't really talk about the new Matrix movie, but I haven't even seen the teasers or are there trailers or disidentified that oh, the new yeah. Matrix movie is coming I, out? I I think it's the, the latter. And I did make a comment on Twitter that you, uh, I would say disagree with i hated matrix two and three i don't even want to watch them right so i I want them to just go from matrix one to matrix two a that's what i want i liked two and three they were fine fine is that i really wanted to like them that's probably what it was if if you have basically a monopoly on this whole simulated experience you you were the original gangster on this 
movies two and three did it no justice. You've it's like Star Wars. The first three that were produced in the seventies and the eighties, gold. Everything after that just ruins the franchise Ooh. one movie at a time. You just opened up a whole nother can of worms. Uh, Don't at all, me. <laughs> hate mail to Kevin at bobandkevinshow.com. You know, I used to be a big Star Wars fan, but the pendulum has swung. Show me some Star Trek, some Captain Picard. That's some great television right yeah, there. Yeah, I was never down with Star Wars. Never, ever. Send all your hate mail to all right. Bob at bobandkevinshow.com. <laughs> <laughs> All right, we better get out of here. I think we just got one last business or piece of business, Bob, and that's we're gonna bring the simulated lightning. Hey, have you ever wondered how you can get in touch with us at the Bob and Kevin Show? Well, first, you can try us via email at comments at bobandkevinshow.com. Or are you more into social? If so, you can find us on Twitter at Bob and Kevin Show. Or on Instagram as Bob N. Kevin Show. That's Bob, the letter N, Kevin Show. And if you're still on Facebook, you can even find us at facebook.com slash Bob and Kevin Show. And for the serious business fans, you can even find us on LinkedIn at linkedin.com slash company slash the dash Bob dash Kevin dash show. How's that for a handle? Let's connect. 